Hello, my crazy, maniacal friends. If you like what you're hearing, please consider contributing. Any amount helps. Recurring monthly contributions are best of all. Just go to maniacontheloose.com slash support. Believe me, this maniac appreciates it very much. That's maniacontheloose.com slash support. If you like scary stories, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories Podcast. (laughs) Sit back and relax. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times and enjoy the ride. Out of time. Russellville is a town that still holds genuine charm. People come from all over the world to visit, usually in the summer months. The amount of money most of us acquire from visitors in the summertime is enough to get us through the remainder of the year. Russellville does have a dark period of history. That's part of the allure for tourists. Back in the 1880s, Russellville had one of the largest, most well-known brothels in the state. And for those who couldn't afford the brothel, there were plenty of discount hookers walking the alleys. In 1889, three prostitutes were brutally murdered over a two-month period. They were butchered. Their abdomens had been sliced open and their intestines were placed on their shoulders. In 1888, in London, Jack the Ripper murdered at least five women in similar fashion. Most of his victims had their intestines removed and placed on their shoulders. Jack the Ripper was never apprehended. This led some people to believe that he fled to America and may have settled down in Russellville to continue his slaughter. The Russellville Ripper was never caught either. On the night the final Russellville Ripper victim was discovered, there was a fantastic lightning storm. It is said that the skies flashed bright blue as a lightning bolt struck the center of Main Street and sent an electric tremor through the entire town. I own a saloon in Russellville. It's the oldest building in town. This place started out as a saloon in 1885 and remained as such until 1915. Since then, the building changed hands several times and has wore many different hats. Over the years, it has been a boutique store, a restaurant, a tattoo parlor, a barber shop, the town museum, a cigar store, a coffee shop, and an antique store. I bought it 20 years ago and changed it back to what it was always meant to be. A saloon. I even used the same name it was back in the old days. The Wagon Wheel. 
I made it up to be an old-timey saloon. It has a long, ancient bar with a wide variety of spirits displayed in front of a wall-sized antique mirror. I kept the lighting dim to mimic candlelight. It makes for a cozy atmosphere. I do have some modern amenities such as a jukebox and a television around back, but otherwise, it does maintain a vintage feel. The most unusual night I have ever experienced since owning the Wagon Wheel Saloon was the night the stranger arrived. It was a stormy night in early autumn. There was a loud crack of thunder and a magnificent flash of lightning just before he entered. He was tall and lean and was dressed as if he had just gotten off a train from the 1800s. He was wearing a short, narrowly fitted, black cutaway jacket that barely revealed his necktie. The cutaway portion of the jacket exposed the bottom of his vest and his watch chain. He wore dark trousers with gray stripes. His outfit was topped off with a black bowler's hat. He looked as if he was dressed to go to a costume party. I would have commented on his outdated attire, but the blood on his hands distracted me. Uh, are, are you okay? Is that blood on your hands? The man looked down at his hands and stammered for a second before collecting himself and speaking with confidence. It appears that I placed my hands onto something freshly painted. You're welcome to use the bathroom to wash up. The man seemed perplexed by my statement. Bathroom. Ah, yes, a hot bath would be nice. I didn't realize you offered this service. N no, not a bath, a bathroom. You know, with a toilet and a sink. It's just around the bar. You can wash up in there. I pointed in the direction of the bathroom and watched the stranger hold a confused expression as he hesitantly followed my directions. He was gone for quite some time. When he emerged, his hands were clean, but his eyes were wide with shock. He slowly approached the bar and held up a finger as he spoke. Good sir, this is Russellville, isn't it? I nodded. Yes, it is. The man gazed about the room and kept looking up at the lights with fascination. I thought maybe this odd fellow could use a drink, so I spoke up. Would you like something to drink? A cold beer? Whiskey, perhaps? The stranger waved me off. Thank you, but I do not partake. Well, how about a Coke? His brow crinkled with confusion. Coke. I pulled a cold can out of the icebox and gave it to him. He thanked me and began inspecting the can as if I had just handed him a Martian artifact. I watched curiously as the man began flicking at the can's tab as he tried to figure out how to open it. Just pull that tab up. He did as I instructed and startled at the popping sound of the can opening. He then spent several seconds smelling the coke through the mouth hole before finally taking a sip. His eyes lit up. It's sweet. He took another drink and rinsed it around in his mouth before swallowing. It has a sharpness to it. Finally, he took a long swig and let out a satisfied breath. This drink is quite refreshing. This is the first time you've ever had a Coke? You've got to be putting me on. Where are you from? 
all over. He continued to gawk around at the saloon. This establishment is extravagant. When the jukebox came to life, the stranger jumped and let out an audible gasp. He then stared at it in awe for many minutes before he carefully walked over. He inspected it closely for some time. Eventually, he returned to the bar. He eyed me with honesty as he asked the question. My dear chap, I do realize what I'm about to ask you may sound abnormal, but can you inform me as to what year this is? This man was dead serious, so I answered him. It's 2021. He stared back at me with a blank expression for the longest time, but his eyes were shifting back and forth. I got the impression that he was having a difficult time digesting the information I just provided him with. I watched him as he sat down heavily into a bar stool and scanned the room over and over. I heard him whispering to himself, 2021? 2021? As the music continued to play over the jukebox, an attractive lady in tight pants stood up and began dancing. I noticed that she now garnered the stranger's full attention. He watched her and looked her up and down. I witnessed a sly smirk cross over his face. Finally, the man stood up, tipped his cap at me, and exited the saloon. And with that, the mysterious stranger was gone. The following night, a woman was found slaughtered in one of the back alleys just two blocks from my saloon. Her abdomen was ripped open, and her intestines had been placed on her shoulder. If you like scary stories and you want to support the show, buy some of my books. I have a whole slew of them, and most of them are just 99 cents. Go to maniacontheloose.com slash books. Again, this is a great way to support the show. That's maniacontheloose.com slash books. home. I'm a 72-year-old woman. Recently, I slipped and fell in the shower and broke my femur, also known as the thigh bone. It was a jagged break and required having a metal rod inserted in my leg to hold the bone together while it heals. I'm not supposed to put any weight on it for six to eight weeks. Unfortunately, my other leg was sprained in the fall as well, so moving at all was incredibly difficult. The hospital kept me for a week and then transferred me to a rehabilitation center slash nursing home. Almost all of the patients are nursing home residents, and it's not a fancy nursing home. It's basically an old hospital with two people to each room. I arrived very early on a Saturday morning they put me in room 108. 
As I quickly found out, the weekend staff was nothing more than a skeleton crew, so they didn't check on me very often. The woman I was sharing my room with was named Carrie. She was so thin. She looked like a skeleton with flesh. Her skin was worn and wrinkled. She had long silver hair which was stiff and matted as though it hadn't been washed in some time. When I arrived, she was asleep and she remained as such for the majority of the day. Sometimes she would mumble incoherently. On the few occasions that she had her eyes open, she stared at the wall. That afternoon, one of the patients in a wheelchair rolled herself into my room and introduced herself to me. She was a portly old woman who held a constant frown. She introduced herself as Maud. After chit-chatting with her for a few minutes, she leaned in close to me and whispered, Everyone who stays in this room dies. With that, she rolled herself out of the room. It was quite the welcome. The food in the nursing home was horrible. I ate what I could to give myself some energy, but the stress of being transported from one hospital to the nursing home and getting settled in had me exhausted and I fell asleep early. In the middle of the night I was awakened by a strange hissing noise. I opened my eyes and let out a gasp. Carrie was looming over my bed, staring at me with frosted cataract eyes. Her mouth was curled into a scowl, revealing her decaying, gray teeth. She lurched forward and moved her ragged face close to mine and hissed, I'm going to kill you. She reached her bony arms out as if she were preparing to choke me, but was distracted by footsteps coming down the hall. She gave a quick look at the doorway and then scurried back into her bed. I immediately pressed the nurse's call button and started yelling for help. It took a while for a nurse to get there. I explained to her that Carrie had threatened me. The nurse did not believe me. Carrie, she can't get out of her bed without assistance, and she hasn't spoken a coherent word in months. I think you're just tired. Let me get you something to help you sleep. I called after the nurse, but she ignored me and exited the room. I kept a watchful eye on Carrie, but she remained in her bed in a near catatonic state until I finally dozed off. When I woke up the next morning, there were two nurses assisting Carrie into a wheelchair. I told them what happened the previous night, but they didn't believe me either. One of them said, Does she look like she's a danger to anyone? They wheeled her out of the room and she was gone the majority of the day. I was in a bit of a pickle. I was freaked out by the incident with Carrie and wanted to be moved to another room. I'm a widow, but I have a son and a daughter. They'd both visit me regularly and if either of them were here, they would demand that they move me to another room immediately. However, my son was out of town this weekend on business. He wouldn't be back until Monday morning and my daughter was on vacation with her family. My daughter was going to cancel her vacation when I got hurt, but I insisted that they go. It was the first family vacation they had been able to take in years. I was absolutely not going to ruin that for them. I would have felt horrible if they canceled on my account. I had to argue with her a bit, but she finally gave in. So until my son got back on Monday, I was on my own. 
Unlike my hospital room, the nursing home rooms did not have telephones. And call me old-fashioned, but I never had a cell phone. Once my son got here and saw what the phone situation was, he'd buy me one and give me a crash course on how to use it. But again, until then, I was on my own. Later that afternoon, Maud wheeled herself into my room again. I asked her what she meant when she said that everybody who stays in this room dies. She answered matter-of-factly. Two days before you got here, the woman that was staying here died. What happened to her? Maud shrugged. I don't know. She seemed healthy as a horse. The nurses went in one morning and found her dead. She died in her sleep. Who else died here? The lady before her. She was just in for rehab like you. Wasn't nothing wrong with her. But she died too. In her sleep. Maud wheeled herself closer. The woman before that one died in her sleep too. I don't pretend to be a doctor. But that seems like an awful lot of people to be dying in their sleep. If you ask me, this room is cursed. I leaned in and spoke discreetly. Was Carrie the roommate of all those women? Maud nodded, yes. That evening I went round and round with the night nurse. She was a real bitch. She wouldn't believe a word I said about Carrie. She told me she could not move me to another room without doctor authorization and that the doctor wouldn't be in until Monday. I asked her if she would check on me regularly through the night, and she scoffed. I was helpless, but all I had to do was make it through one more night. The doctor would be in tomorrow, and my son would be back from his business trip and would visit me. I planned on staying awake all night to make sure Carrie didn't sneak up on me. After I ate dinner, I noticed that I started to feel extremely groggy. Turns out, Nurse Bitch put a sedative in my food to help me sleep and to keep what she referred to as the ridiculous nightmares about frail Carrie at bay. I was in mid-sentence of hollering at the nasty nurse when I passed out. Again, I woke up to hissing. At first I thought I was having a nightmare about snakes, but when I raised my heavy eyelids, I saw Carrie standing over me. Her face was crinkled into an evil snarl, and she let out a hissing growl. She looked like a rabid beast. Her frosty eyes were enraged, and saliva was dripping down her chin. I'm going to kill you. She reached out, wrapped her skeletal hands around my throat, and started squeezing. I was still groggy from the sedative and couldn't put up much of a fight. I was going to be the next woman to die in this room at the hands of this demented psycho. I flailed my arms around helplessly and managed to slap the lamp off the nightstand. It shattered onto the floor. The sound spooked Carrie, and she scuttled into her bed like some kind of malevolent insect. I was attempting to scream for the nurse when I passed out. The next morning, I woke up to the concerned face of my son and the head doctor. My son was livid. 
He gave every employee in the nursing home a piece of his mind. He insisted that I be transferred to a different facility immediately. The manager of the nursing home and the head doctor were both extremely apologetic and put the transfer through, but said the rehab center they were moving me to wouldn't have a room ready until the following morning. They moved me to room 315, which was at the other end of the building, and my son spent the night in my room to make sure there were no other issues. The next morning, we awoke to a commotion in the nursing home. We weren't quite sure what was going on until Maud wheeled herself into my room and gave me the scoop. Evidently, none of the staff believed me about my terrifying encounters. After they moved me from room 108, they moved another woman into that room with Crazy Carrie. And that woman was found dead. According to the staff, she died in her sleep. I'm a divorced woman in my 30s with no kids and no significant other. I recently bought a nice house in a suburban neighborhood. As I stepped out of the house for a brisk jog like I do every morning, I noticed a man standing on the sidewalk across from my house. He was tall and wearing a black trench coat. He had wild, frizzy black hair. His dark eyes were intense and were locked onto me. There was nothing friendly about this man. He looked angry and held a scowl as he stared at me. I cut through the yard to avoid getting close to him and then began jogging down the sidewalk. I checked over my shoulder multiple times to make sure he wasn't entering my yard. He wasn't. He was still standing on the sidewalk but was still watching me. I jogged through the neighborhood for about half an hour and hoped that the strange man would be long gone by the time I got home. When I reached my porch, I looked around thoroughly and was relieved to see no sign of him. Later in the day, I had to make a quick stop at a convenience store. As I stood in one of the aisles, I noticed movement out of the corner of my eye and instinctively turned to look. There he was, the sinister-looking man in the trench coat. He was standing at the other end of the aisle watching me with those fierce, crazed eyes. I hurried to the register to pay for my items. The checkout lady could tell something had spooked me and inquired as to what was wrong. I explained that there was a weird man in the store watching me. She gazed about the store but didn't see anyone. We concluded that he must have hurried away as I approached the register. Later that night, I went to the weekly yoga class that I instruct. After class was over and everyone had left, I turned off all the lights, exited the building, and locked the door. As I turned around to head toward my car, I walked right into the man. His eyes were even crazier up close. They were fixed on me, but at the same time darting around as if he had no control over them. 
He grabbed me by the upper arms and shook me as he said, Stay away from my house. I jerked away from him and ran toward my car screaming. By this time, everyone else was gone and I was all alone in the dimly lit parking lot. When I reached my car, I fumbled for my keys and looked up to see the man walking quickly toward me as he held a demented expression of rage. Finally, I was able to calm myself enough to unlock the door and get into my car. The man reached my vehicle just as I started it. He slammed his fist down on the hood of my car as I peeled away. When I got home, I rushed into the house, grabbed the phone, and called 911. I had no idea who this psycho was or why he was following me, but the fact that he knew where I lived sent shivers down my spine. At the very least, I wanted the police to come out, check around, and do some extra patrols through the neighborhood. I reached a recording saying that all operators were busy and to please hold. As I waited, I flicked the television set on just to add a little comfort to the room. I nearly dropped the phone when a picture of the lunatic who had been stalking me flashed up on my television screen. The newsman added commentary. We repeat, the man escaped from the Western Hopkins State Mental Institution early this morning. If you see him, call the police immediately. He is considered extremely dangerous. The word dangerous was barely out of the newsman's mouth when a boulder came crashing through my window. I screamed as I saw the crazy man pop his head in through the shattered glass and snarl at me. Get out of my house! Just then the 911 operator answered and I shouted my address to her and told them to hurry. As the man began crawling in through the window, I ran to the front door. I unlocked it and pulled it open, but the security chain kept it from opening fully. I could hear the voice of the lunatic behind me. Get out of my house! I wrestled with the chain and almost had it unfastened as the man grabbed me by the arm. He flung me to the floor and began advancing toward me. With a loud bang, my front door was kicked open and multiple police officers raced in and tackled the man to the ground. They handcuffed him and took him away. Later, I found out that the crazy man lived in my house when he was a young boy and vowed to kill anyone who ever lived there. I sold the house shortly thereafter. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're dying for you to come back for more. <laughs> Visit ManiacOnTheLoose.com Sign up for our newsletter and I'll give you some free stuff. We'll see you soon. Very soon. If you like the Maniac on the Loose Scary Stories podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. Feel free to leave a nice review, too, if you like. And don't be shy about letting other people know about the show. All of these things help us out a ton, and we appreciate it very much.